Hey family, welcome to the Catalyst for Change Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders lead better. I'm your host, Zach Pruitt, and just so excited that you are joining us today. So let's dive in. Well, welcome to another episode of the Catalyst for Change Leadership Podcast, and I'm so excited to have my friend, Pastor Russ Moore, on with us today. Russ, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's awesome to hang out. Yeah, super excited to have you on with us today. You're not too far from me, um, just up north in Columbus, and then I'm outside of Cincinnati, so we're pretty close. But before we get in too far, um, tell the listener a little bit about who you are and what you do, and just kind of introduce yourself for those who may not know uh, who you are. Sure. Yeah, I'm Russ. I am originally from Greenville, South Carolina. People tell me they can still hear a little bit of the Southern. <laughs> Just a little bit of that, yeah. A little bit of the Southern. So I, I've been kind of all over. I've lived in Greenville the first part of my life, lived overseas in Argentina for a minute, was part of a church plant in Lexington, Kentucky for five years. So Cincinnati used to be my my getaway hang. And uh, then five years in Atlanta, Georgia. And then this September will be five years in Columbus, Ohio. And so I, I am a nerd about all kinds of things, but my my full-time vocation is I'm an executive pastor of ministries at a church called X Church here in Columbus, and it's a blast, and it's, uh, it's a dream. I love it. Yeah. Now, so you have definitely been a lot of places. You've lived a lot of places, um, So, which is fun. You know, you've been a little yeah. bit. You've been a little bit everywhere. Um, any like what what would you say is has been like your favorite city? Oh man, I, I you know this is this is a uh, a hot take, but I don't think it's any better than Atlanta. Man, I, I you know I'm I'm <laughs> okay. weird. I'm a, I'm a city guy. I love the city. I love yeah. the city so yeah. much. And Atlanta just it's you know it's it's the Hollywood of the South. It is. It is. Got a lot going yeah. on. Some of the best food. It's amazing, but I have been surprised how much I have fallen in love with Columbus. Yeah, I never thought I'd live in the Midwest. Um, I was shocked, having lived in Lexington, how much different. Not only Lexington is from Cincinnati, but from Cincinnati to Columbus. Yeah, I can imagine. Officially, sure. the North slash Midwest. Yeah, Columbus is an incredible city. I fall in love with it. It's one of the fastest growing in the nation right now. They're about to add Intel and Google, and there's oh, wow. so many beautiful pockets. And there are. Yeah. There are. Yeah. yeah um, I actually told my wife that recently because I spent a lot more time in Columbus recently. And I'm like, this is super random, but Columbus is actually a really pretty city. Like there are a lot of really cool spots in Columbus. It's so. insane. Well, I didn't believe this until my cousin who's a chef in Atlanta told me Columbus is the official food and drink capital of the nation. No kidding. Okay. It really is. And one of the reasons that it's, it's so booming in a lot of industries is number one it's so centralized it's yeah. a short drive True. from almost every major city and it's pretty immune from natural disasters and so yeah. there's yeah. a lot of things that make it naturally pretty appealing yeah that makes sense that makes sense i had no clue yeah that's really interesting Shocking, huh it is it is yeah. that's really cool though all yeah. right so we learned something new there we go <laughs> ohio ladies and gentlemen uh but no columbus is a really cool city so um, and you've been there for five years, you said? Yes, this September will be five years. Wow. Time flies, I'm sure. Really does. It's insane. Yeah. So um, there's definitely a lot of things that I kind of want to to get into. Um, we're really going to be talking about 
your book, Hope for the Wilderness, primarily. And, and there's a lot that I really want to talk about and cover um, in that. But first, kind of before we really get into the actual book, let's talk a little bit about just your writing process. Like specifically, what was it like having to put, because you share a lot of, of stories um, in Hope for the Wilderness, um, a lot of uh, vulnerability going into it, a lot of experiences, that sort of thing. So one, what was kind of back up, like what was your purpose in writing that? Like what made you decide to put pen to paper and and share the stories with the world? And then what was your writing process like for that? Yeah, there's a lot of layers to that because, you know, a lot of people kind of they're goal especially in ministry I feel like it's like the normal thing like you know you're in ministry for a while then you write a book mm. or something happens you write a book that's but for me to back up um this may sound weird but since the first grade I first of all have always had a love affair with words I developed an affinity and kind of obsession with reading and writing from an early age mm. and part of that's my dad was an English teacher for 30 years and then part of that is in the first grade, I picked up a Goosebumps book for okay, the first time, okay. and I've been reading a book ever since. And then I, it sounds really weird, but in second and third grade, you know, I played baseball and I did martial arts and I did all the normal things as a kid. But then I also developed this obsession with words where I asked for a Roger's thesaurus in third grade oh, and started writing my own thesaurus. In fact, my one little claim to fame, I'm surprised I didn't get beat up for this, but I wrote a thesaurus and got on the news as the third grade kid uh, who oh writes goodness. his thesaurus. And so uh, this sound, may sound a little poetic, but I've always thought that words were the most powerful, beautiful thing in the universe. Yeah. Um, I, I've never been great at painting, but to, words are my colors. And yeah. I think if you can develop yeah. a mastery for words, you can paint anything and you can move the yeah. human heart. So I've had an obsession with words. I have a stack of unfinished writing projects from floor <laughs> to ceiling. So I, I, I you know, I say that to say it could be really easy just to be spiritual and say, well, God told me to. Yeah. But yeah. The first layer is I've always loved writing and sure. I've always wanted to complete a project. And then, yeah, I hit a wall kind of emotionally and personally in 2016 and really went through a whole lot. And, you know, we can unpack some of that here, but a lot of it, you know, is obviously in the book. And during that time when honestly, I just thought, man, I don't even know if I'm going to survive this mm -hmm. season is that brutal. I had a good friend of mine who, you know, normal, healthy, he's not weird, he's not hyper spiritual, but he just looked at me over at the pool one day while I was unpacking my story. And he just said, matter of fact, you're going to write out of this and it's going to help a lot of people. Mm. And he just kind of prophesied kind yeah. of at the pool. Yeah. And I just thought, man, I don't think I'm even going to survive, much less write. But literally a few months later, I really felt like in the middle of the pain, God began downloading things into my soul that became nourishment. It became a lifeline, became meat. It was insight and revelation. And I just began journaling it. And I guess at first, therapeutically, I began taking all these notes. I'm kind of a ferocious scavenger of notes. I began taking all these notes and then organizing them into a few chapters. And before I knew it, I'm like, oh, I'm writing a book. And I think maybe unlike my other writing projects, this eventually did come to feel more like an assignment. Mm -hmm. Like I was supposed to do this and supposed yeah. to finish this. Yeah. And so I that's how this project began. And, you know, life happens. I end up moving from Atlanta to Columbus during that. And some seasons are busier than others. And then um, so it took five years 
to actually finish it and release it and publish it. Wow. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, part of that was COVID hit and mm. the blessing inside of that was I, you know, had multiple days. I don't know how it was in Cincinnati, but Columbus got pretty shut down for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I had multiple days where I just, you know, sit, sit at the kitchen table, right. For a few hours, go walk right. A few hours. Right. And just was like, this is the time to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. What a blessing, you know? Yeah. It was, perfect it, timing. Yeah. And then honestly, even the name change happened originally. I don't know if I okay. told you this for sushi, but the original name of the book was a manifesto for the wilderness. No kidding. Okay. I don't yeah, think which I like the word manifesto. A lot of the book has to do with a, not just a hope, but a plan to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also kind of an homage to my favorite show lost. And there's the uh, okay. manifesto yeah. on the plane yeah. stranded and, but over, you know, I, I attended a couple writing seminars that summer during COVID. I started thinking about story brand Donald Miller and I'm like, clarity's uh-huh. king. What is the theme coming out of COVID that people need more than ever? Yeah. And what is the best way to actually tell the story of what God wants to do in people's lives? And hope just rose out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So then let's go back because you you kind of started to talk about it just kind of overhead. So all of this really started in 2016. Like in all reality, that's kind of where the story starts with all of this. So before we get too deep, so the the listener even kind of has an understanding of of everything we're basing our conversation off of, talk a little bit about that, you know, 2016, like what happened during that season that led you to the point of writing. Yeah, it's it feels weird to to summarize because it's so much. What's weird is 2016 started amazing. Mm. It, I was in the middle of a season where I felt like my ministry was flourishing and blooming. Um, I got in shape. <laughs> I like lost 30 pounds in two months. I started my master's at Passion City Global Institute. They, they okay. just started their program. Um, I just got out of debt, went through Dave Ram. I mean, like I had all this momentum and yet at the same time, there was another part of my soul that felt like it was withering mm-hmm. because, you know, you mentioned I've lived in a few different States. Part of that is because I, 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 the last two churches I was at, the person who hired me a year and a half later, just so happened that they felt called somewhere else uh-huh. and the church kind of ended up, um, you know, being on my shoulders a little bit, kind of an interim pastor kind of role. Sure. And so, you know, in that 2016 season, the person who had hired me had left. He was kind of like a father figure to me, a pastor to me. And all of my best friends around the table had left. Oh, so wow. all of my friends were gone. And uh, the pastor that had hired me was gone. And the direction of the church was changing. And I was alone in this new season. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you know, which I'm still not married, but I, I was dealing with kind of the realities of those struggles, those seasons alone. Sure. Um, and then in the middle of that season, I realized, man, I've got some, I've got some hangups and maybe even some habits that I've let in that are hurting me, not helping me. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of that, I, I meet someone and kind of fall in love for the first time in 10 years. And I'm like, man, this is it. This is who got sent. It mm-hmm. falls apart. And that same person's on staff in front of me. Oh, wow. And then in the middle of that, I realize, wait, depression runs on my dad's side of the family. And that starts sneaking in chemical depression. Mm-hmm. All of this just kind of creates a whirlwind 
And um, before I know it, I don't think I realized how much it crept up. And then on top of that, I mean, you know, I could psychoanalyze myself for years and it's really tough to talk. I don't know if you ever feel like this, but sometimes when I talk about pain, it feels weird because I'm like, man, I've not been through what so many people have been through, you know, so easy to minimize your own pain. But it was what I was going through. And I'd also been through years of church planting and Mm -hmm. the betrayal and loss and heartbreak and turmoil of just years and years and years of ministry. And I don't think ever really, I'd always felt kind of invincible. Yeah really taking much time to peek under the hood and assess damage and you know full check take a draw my blood the iv of what's going on in my spirit you know um and all that to say and i can go there if you want me to but it's in the book but i i made a really dumb decision Mm -hmm. in the middle of that that expedited yeah everything i was already walking through yeah 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 And, you know, and you said this earlier, and I completely agree, is that it's just your way with words. And so obviously, that was like super like high level, not a lot of details, but just general enough to kind of get the idea of what's going on. Um, But the way because the first the first time I heard the book, like I, I listened to it through audiobooks. So I wasn't I, you know, I listened to it in my car. And um, even then, as I was listening to it, you know, all the details and the way you were describing the story and all that, it just like came to life. Like I was, I was there, like I understood at such a deep level, um, you know, what you were going through in that season. Um, And so you really have to honestly read the book or listen to it to really get that full appreciation. Um, But it was a lot, you know, I mean, obviously like that season that you were walking through, it was a lot that you were you were walking through so how how did you walk through that season of heartache and grief like were there things that you found that were helpful were there things that you find like you tried to do it and like this just did not work like this was not helpful at all like what were some things that that helped you through that season Mm, yeah that's a big question I mean part of me would say would want to ask you know after some of my mistakes or before (laughs) because let's do both you know um there are things that i did that really helped and things i did that really hurt Mm -hmm. i think one of the things let me say this i heard levi lusco one time i'm sure you've heard of him read his book um, yeah. you know, if you're not familiar, probably most of your listeners are, but sure. you know, lost, oh, yeah. lost a daughter and, you know, wrote a book through the eyes of the lion. He has this thing he talks about sometimes in interviews about this concept of training for the trial you're not yet in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In my context, analogy of the wilderness, um, I wrote a whole section, but didn't have, I had to cut it out of the book for time's sake, but I, I, I like to toy around with this idea of stuffing your camping bag for the desert you're not yet in. Mm. And I think one of the things that I've, by the grace of God, I think gotten right, I've gotten a lot wrong, but one of the things I think I've gotten right is when my seventh grade heart was captured by Jesus, I just became obsessed. Part of it's my personality. And Mm -hmm. I've had a pretty consistent, regular rhythm of meeting with God in his word uh, consuming messages, consuming content, studying, reading books, hearing sermons. 
ever since over the last, you know, 25, whatever years. And without knowing it, what I've done is I've stuffed my backpack with some gold. Mm, yeah. Some food. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it sounds so cliche to, you know, hide his word in your heart. So that's all, but when you're going through yeah, that's true. a hellish season, yeah, you become grateful for what you are able to bring out of your heart. You become grateful that when is when the promises of God really are stored deep inside, you become grateful that you can pull back on the memories of how real your intimacy with God is and the times he's brought you through. And you become grateful for the weapons you have learned how to wield along the way. And, and so one of the things I think that helped me is I just, there are things, sometimes I didn't apply them, mm-hmm. but then other times I did apply them. I didn't, oh, wait, the power of worship. Yeah. Oh, wait, the power of recalling the faithfulness of God so that I can have faith for tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, wait, journaling. Oh, wait, fat. Like yeah. there are those things I was able to pull back out and actually apply in the wilderness. Um, and another thing that I'm just so grateful for is I just, I don't think it can ever be understated is the power of your life and the power of your future is the power of the tribe and the circle that you're surrounded by. Yeah. The, the people you're surrounded by will either pull you back or pull you forward. You know, they'll either elevate you or they'll bring you down. And I'm so grateful. I just have had um, just some of the most quality, healthy, loyal, faith-filled, compassionate, spirit-filled at times, just word from God, but normal (laughs) friends. And, and, and I just, I think that's irreplaceable. I wouldn't have made it without the people in my oh, life. Those are some, those are some of the good. And, um, I, I think, you know, one of the things, I think some of the things I've done wrong in certain seasons of my life is we all have escapes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. For, for some people, it's a bottle for, for some people, it's a bag of Oreos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For some people, it's isolation. For some people, it's porn, whatever. We yeah. all have escapes. And so, you know, I'm no different. I've, I've had seasons where, where I, um, instead of, you know, there's a difference between uh, solitude and isolation, you know, mm-hmm. oh, solitude is getting alone to be with God. Isolation is getting alone to be with you. Yeah. And I've had yeah. seasons where I've isolated Yeah. And, and I've even reached for escapes, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's cliche, but the escape you reach for in a bad season can become your prison in the next season. And, yeah. and I, I've seen that happen to me. And so, I think those would be moments. Those would be things I've not done well. Um, I, I think one of the things that's helped me is I have learned to bring the right things to the right people. Mm. I, think, I think a lot of times, I think you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm a big believer that like, I, I always almost think about everything in life in the terms of a road that has two ditches. And most of the times we get in trouble when we fall on one extreme. Yeah. When it comes to the things you're going through in life, some people are just like, a, you know, they just spew on everybody and everything. And Facebook's going to know what they go through. And this person's going to know what they go through. And they go through venting. Or there are people that just hold things in. And um, I, I feel like I've just, I've had people show me and model for me along the way what it looks like to bring the deep parts of your heart yeah. into the right places. Yeah. And so I have safe people that I'm just committed to. I, I have a best friend that the worst things that I ever do during the week, at some point that week or the next week, I'm going to call and tell them. Yeah. Um, I have 
I have a soul check-in that I do now once every six weeks with, with a, a mentor in another state. And I, I, you know, I call him, I'm like, okay, you know, these are my escapes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, these are probably if I'm going to fall or, or struggle in areas, one yeah. of these areas. Yeah. And so I think just learning to bring the right level of honesty to the right people mm-hmm. um, and choose freedom and health over pride. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. I don't know if that answers. That's a no, little no, 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 not at all. I mean, that's, that's, that's perfect. Was there ever a part of you, um, you know, during the writing process, as you're, as you're talking about some of these things, was there ever a part of you that was like, I can't actually share this, or I don't want to share this? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one big thing we're dancing around, which I don't mind sharing if you want me to, I no, I don't, uh, I don't mind at all. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'll leave that up to you. But I, my, my, my big major um, screw up in 2016 was never going to be part of the book mm, okay wow i was never going to write that chapter really it's chapter six grace i was never gonna write that chapter um well number one when i started writing it it just happened okay that's and fair. no one that's and no fair. one knew it was still fresh it was still fresh no yeah. one knew um i mean i i had told i'd actually i had brought it to and I'm, man, we were dancing around. I might as well just say, I, no, yeah, I don't mind at all. Yeah, so I, it's uh, in the book, so you know, it's in the book. Yes, <laughs> I, yeah, so I got a DUI in 2016, um, that fall, yeah, while in ministry. And you know, it's been what is that 2016? That's seven, seven years ago, yeah, that still feels weird to even say out loud. Yeah. And still has even just a level of shame to, you know, say out loud. Um, and so, yeah, when I, when I began writing, um, I never was going to have that in there. I mean, for a lot of reasons, one, it's just, like, yeah. the only people that knew, I mean, I, I brought it into the light immediately with my pastor, with elders, with mm-hmm. mentors, with my family, with my closest friends. And I left the rest of that up to the church and the elders, sure. as well as, you know, and, um, and so most of the, for whatever crazy reason, it never got out. So to this day, wow. most people would never know. I, I outed myself when I told the book. Wow. So most people that know me, unless it was my super close friends or family or the elders yeah. Yeah. would never know until they read my book. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so, so part of it was like, okay, like, and then what was the right timing? I mean, I always knew eventually that'd be a part of a story. Sure. sure. But timing's important. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to hurt, you know, people I'd led. Yeah. Unnecessarily. Absolutely. Um, and then it just felt, so I, I do think it's part of the divine nature of God's timing and why the book took five years was probably partly that. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. People all along when I'd send them a you know early manuscripts would be like, Russ, this book sounds great, but it feels like you're dancing around something. It feels like something's missing. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> I, I would, I'd talk around it. And then honestly, yeah. it wasn't until my boss, my pastor, was like, Russ, you do know you gotta put that in the book, right? And I was like, no, I rebuke that. I'm I don't not, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not going in there. That that part's not going in there. And then but I started thinking about it and I'm like, man, 
five years. It probably is about time. And from a book perspective, the narrative probably needs that to complete the mm -hmm. arc. So then, you know, Proverbs says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. And so I just, I, I called a few of my closest friends and mentors and I said, hey, what are your thoughts? And they all unanimously were like, Russ, it's time to put in there. Wow. And then a really cool confirmation moment. This may sound hyper spiritual. I don't, I don't know. I try not to be that guy, but I, I wrote the chapter, Grace. I sent it to one of my friends and she called me and she was weeping. And she said, I don't remember the last time that I had that deep of an encounter with God. Um, when reading that chapter, she said, I began to weep on the second page of the chapter. And she said, at the end of me reading the chapter, I actually had a vision. And again, this is a very normal person. I know there's, yeah, a, lot weird, no. there's a lot of weird Christians out there. Um, she was like, but she said, I, I, I had this vision of people walking through mud and rain with their um, faces down. Wow. And this chapter being the thing that washed away shame. Wow. They're able to lift their head again and, and have freedom and believe that God could do anything through their life and that their past does not have to define their future. Wow. Um, and so that was the final confirmation I needed. I was like, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll okay. put it in the book. Wow. That's, yeah, that, I, I did not know that that was originally not going to be in the book, but I mean, I agree. I feel like it has to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, now you can imagine. So, I mean, yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Um, and, and, it and it's been amazing. Sorry, not interrupt. It's, it's, no, it's been amazing. And this is, sounds so obvious, but it's been amazing how much the thing that I didn't want to put in there yeah. has set so many people free. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, I've had people that I've looked up to, spiritual heroes come up to me and be like, the same thing happened to me at the exact mm -hmm. same age. And I've never told anybody. I didn't think I was. Wow. Alive. But it is, I mean, you know, Craig Rochelle says it you can impress people with your strengths or you can connect uh -huh. with your weaknesses. Yeah. And, you know, I just think when we are, when we risk enough vulnerability to tell our stories, it's what actually sets mm -hmm. people free. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you mentioned it bringing freedom to other people, but it almost had to bring some level of freedom to yourself as well, because you're that's like, so true. Oh, there's, there's no secret, you know, it's just, I mean, here it is. That's so true. Who was it that said, you know, the best way to stay in freedom is to keep your shadows in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, like, it's like, no one can bring that. Cause I'm like, I already outed myself. Yeah. Right. Oh, um, so, no, you're right. There was something liberate now we'll say it, it's a weird feeling it's so interesting when you write because you tell yourself all along hey at any point i can just take this out yeah <laughs> yeah it, it was it i did have this weird feeling the night before release i'm like oh my gosh the, the whole world is about or whoever reads right right read but like, it's open to whoever but now it's open yeah. And um, it is, it, it, it was a weird feeling at first, but it was also just super liberating and you over, I, and who knows, maybe there are people who read it with judgment, but you, you tend to overbuild up in your mind mm -hmm. how much people are going to. Yeah. 100%. Not that it's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but I've had some yeah. yeah. like, Russ, do you know yeah. how many people have walked through that you know how many people in ministry have i had people in ministry they were like russ so many people in ministry have walked through that they've just not been open about it absolutely More which is not a good thing yeah right Damn. but yeah 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 so um you know like what kind of 
because I mean, you you share, you really go into detail, like everything 2016 brought to you. So, I mean, you know, there was relationships, there was car issues, there was obviously the DUI. And I mean, there there's a lot of stuff, but what kind of impact did all of that have on your life in general, but even your ministry, like at that time? Because obviously there's just, there's just a ton of weight with yeah. all of that, but then also, you know, carrying that weight while simultaneously also trying to carry, you know, a ministry and minister to people. Like, what was that like? Yeah, I, I like to say that that season was the worst thing and the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Um, it was really tough. Um, you know, this may sound weird, even more than ministry wise, you know, like I said, the beginning of 2016, there was so much momentum. Mm hmm. Apart from even just the the shame and the spiritual frustration and the ministry having to work through all that and even just all the legal and all, it, it just felt like, man, I had all this momentum mm -hmm. and now major life bomb that I just detonated. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so there's, there's so much to unpack there in a, in a weird way, ministry wise, it didn't impact me as much as one would imagine, which sounds mm -hmm. odd. I think for two main reasons. One, I, I just have to say the grace of God. And that sounds mm -hmm. so cliche, but God's grace. You know, the uh, I think I put this in the book, but the weekend that it all happened, I went home to tell my parents, which that may have been the worst part of the whole experience. <laughs> but I ended up going to um, Free Chapel, Jensen Franklin's church. Uh -huh. and I was just standing there numb through the whole thing. But at the very end, and I'm very slow to say what God said, but I really, almost as cl clearly as I've ever heard in my life, heard God speak to me and say, Russ, I'm about to give you a supernatural strength for this season. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and and he did. I went back and I just faced it. Wow. I initiated conversations <clears throat> with everyone I felt like I was supposed to, with elders, with the staff that was around me, with people. Um, and God really had a lot of grace and mercy and that I got to tell my story mm -hmm. and I got to bring the right people around. So grace of God, grace of, you know, my boss obviously could have fired me. Um, there's a lot of grace and that I, you know, I was surrounded. I got to the church I was a part of was very big into the freedom ministry at Highlands. I got to go back through that with one of the elders privately in his home for the next six mm -hmm. weeks. There was a pastor, two struggling pastors in the community. I met with him for counseling every week for a couple months. Um, you know, on, on the ministry front, like I didn't, uh, you know, part of what they decided was from, I, I wasn't even to step foot back on campus for at least a month. Um, but, you know, humbly, I think one of the, I've done a lot wrong as a leader. One of the things I think I've, I've done decently as a leader with God's help and I think I just got this from the people who trained me, which funny note, me and you, small world, know a lot of the same people. We do, <laughs> oddly enough. And, and one of the things that Lee Claypool, I think I just got from him is I yeah. just, I've always just naturally felt like a very empowering, releasing leader. And I've always, mm -hmm. I mean, the biggest critique that my boss at that time had over me is he's like, Russ, you're, because I was a student pastor, did a bunch of things. He's like, you don't preach enough. And I love to preach. Yeah. But for me, I've always gotten just as much joy out of recruiting and developing and creating sure. teams, releasing leaders. And, and so I was actually very 
fortunate in that, that I was able to bring a couple of leaders around and say, Hey, for the next couple of months, I need you to run this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it ended up being really good. And I knew at the time that I probably, but even before this happened, that I, I didn't feel like I would be at the church much longer anyway. So I was always trying to prepare the ministry, not to revolve around me anyways. Sure. So that was, that was a fortunate thing that it, it, in that sense, pragmatically, it didn't quote unquote impact the ministry in a huge mm -hmm. way. I had really set it up to where it could run without me. Wow. wow. So I was able to release it to people, step away, get space, healing, <clears throat> refreshing, you know, counsel, um, and, and get those things that I needed. And then honestly, um, I flew out to Gateway in Dallas, Texas. Okay. And yeah. I had a lady that gave, and again, a prophetic word. It's, it's weird how in some of the, the craziest seasons you get these things, these mm. words are like lifelines, but she didn't know anything I'd gone through. And she just looked at me and said, you've been through something incredibly intense and severe, but God has, but I feel like God's telling me that you faced it head on. Yeah. And that the way you've handled this has been a gift in his sight. And he wants you to know that your pain in this season will be your platform for the next. And wow. every, everything she said just ended up coming to pass that way. Mm. Um, and, and so in, in a weird way, some of it expedited. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's again, that's some rambling. I don't know if that no, answers. It's not at all. No. And it, you know, from what I heard, read, and, and even, you know, discussion right now is the church. And at this, in this instance, that particular local church that you were under at the time actually handled it really well. You know, you hear a lot of stories where, you know, leaders, you talk about mental health, behavioral health, or, you know, mental breakdowns or whatever it could be, like they don't know what to do with it, but it sounds like they actually handled it really well and knew how to walk with you in that season yeah. to get you, to get you restored and, and back to where you needed to be. Yeah. It, um, I'll forever be thankful for the way that they handled it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, it was a tough season because I, most of my close friends were gone and um, me and our, my lead pastor, we had a good relationship. We weren't super close, but a good relationship, sure. but yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I could not be more thankful for a, the grace that he showed me, uh, B for the, the space he gave me to find healing, um, and see that there were people around me that, that cared about me and that, you know, surrounded me. So yeah, yeah. I'm very, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. What would you say um, was maybe either maybe the top one or top two things that you learned the most because of the seasons that you walked through? Hmm. That's tough to, that's tough to nail down to one or two. Um, I think obviously I learned a lot of what not to do mm -hmm. a lot. I, I found out I'm not invincible. <laughs> I found out I'm not invincible. You know, I always just, you know, um, there are consequences to decisions. You know that until one really catches up to you. Yeah. Um, so you learn, you know, you learn a whole new vocabulary and capacity for boundaries and wisdom. And you learn about yourself. Yeah. You know, you learn where you're weak, where you're strong. You learn... There's so much of that. I think I also learned, I mean, this sounds cliche, but it's easy to talk about the grace of God until you really need it. 
<laughs> it's it's easy to say, man, God's so full of grace until it's you that feels like, oh man, like yeah. So I think it taught me a deep level of empathy for people. Mm. Yeah. It's easy to to say, well, I love people and I look at people through grace, but man, like Jesus says, whoever is forgiven much loves much. Mm-hmm. That's not that doesn't mean you should go and screw up your life so that you can love better. But you can learn through pain a deeper level of compassion and empathy for people. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really easy to think, man, that could never be me until it's you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to say, man, you know, I don't know. I'm thankful for the grace of God, but until until you're Moses that murdered someone, mm-hmm. <laughs> until until you're it's so true you, though. You know, it really is. Um, yeah. So just the grace of God, I think. I think I learned about God as my father during that season since I, this is the most, this is the most, uh, I'm going to say the most spiritual I've been in a while, but I'm, I'm telling all these visions and prophetic words. And, you know, I, I usually don't get that deep into it, but I, I will, I'll give one more example. My best friend who had no clue what happened. I was, I mean, you know, that, that kind of thing happens to you when something that big happens, you're just numb for a while. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's ways that God helped me handle it well, but I didn't pray for two weeks because I'm like, felt mm-hmm. so much shame. I'm like, what do I even say? Yeah. yeah. God, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like everything feels so cheap. Yeah. Um, so one night I, w- I I went over to the house and was start- or to the church and just started moving chairs around. And my best friend, who again, normal as can be, but just has a deep sensitivity to the voice of God. He, we hadn't talked in like a week and he called me and, just was emotional and said, you know, Russ felt like God gave me a vision and it was of you hurting and it was of weeds that had kind of grown into your life over the last few years. And in one big moment, there was a giant weed that came to try to choke you out. Mm. But then I saw the hand of the father grab that weed and snatch it up and throw it in the trash and command it to never grow again. And he said, and I saw God running to you like a father to a son, but not as a prodigal but as a father to whom he was going to take away and teach him about himself in that season as a father has with a son. Wow. And that whole next season was just that. Um, it was a, a season to learn who I was as a son. It was a season where, and I put this in the book, where I learned that one of the things God has been, and to be honest, transparently to this day, still is something, a struggle for me. But one of the things that God has been trying to put his hand on my whole life is my rhythms. Mm. my pace and my restlessness you know so one of the things that came out of that season was sabbath mm. i actually have a, a weekly sabbath now it's it wow. matters to me it's yeah. a soul day that other than the rarest occasions or something comes up or whatever yeah. on saturdays social media news and youtube is off my phone and my pace is different and wow. i'm not working and i'm not gonna let myself work and i'm refilling my soul and i'm trying to slow down and that's been more nights now you know during the week especially when it's warm here mm-hmm. you know, there's a park i go to and i'm i'm walking at sunset at the park and i'm i'm trying to because i'm just a go 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 person i still hear my mom in my head saying rush you do not know how to sit still you do not <laughs> you do not know how to and you just don't ever you know it's so hard for us to slow down in, in our, um, who, who was, who's that famous philosopher that said all the world's problems can be distilled into man's inability to sit in a room alone for 15 minutes. Yeah. Who said that? I, I, I don't wow. know. But anyways, 
I'm like that. Oh my gosh, that's me. Um, and, and so learning rhythms, learning, and what are the things inside me that make me not want to slow down and face me, you know, went through a long, lot, a long season of just look, Pete Scazzaro stuff became gold to me, you know, emotionally healthy spirituality. Yeah. We spiritual, we spiritual people are the worst at deceiving ourselves and using spiritual language. He has this one line that I just knocked me out cold. He said, yeah, he's a, a lot of spiritual people. They know how to um, use God to run from God. Mm. Wow. I mean, how often do I do that? Use God to run from God. Wow. That's what Saul did. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just, I learned a lot more about my strengths and my weaknesses in that season. Learned the power of rhythms, the power of vision, the power of just healthy relationships. Yeah. A whole lot. Yeah. And um, was is it chapter six that's called Grace? Yes. Chapter six. So, you know, I mean, honestly, I think that is is such a, a fitting title for that yeah. chapter because there really was such a grace over your life, even in that season. Um, I mean, my Lord, I mean, you, you you talk about all the times that the Lord spoke to you or spoke to someone else. Yeah. Um, the the visions, you know, from your friend, all these things. It's like that is the hand of God so clearly you know even in that darkest season it's, it's yeah fun. no it's man he's so good he is uh, cliche to say but he's so good he's yeah. he's better than we know he is yeah yeah he really is well um we are going to come to the end here we're nearing the end but are there any final thoughts that you would maybe leave the listener with before we hop off I mean, I guess I have to say it since we're talking about the book, but I just think the most powerful thing in the universe is hope. Yeah. And I'll just say, you know, whatever you're walking through, there's hope. Um, and hope's a choice. Psalm 42, you know, even when your soul feels at the lowest, there's still an ability to turn and begin to preach to your own soul. Mm-hmm. Hope in God, trust in him, that God ultimately will not disappoint us. Yeah. And um, that hope really is a choice. And, you know, we can survive what, three days without water and, you know, three minutes in extreme, we can't survive three seconds without hope. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I would, I would just say a practical, something that I, I wrote about in the book that, but I've even taken my own medicine earlier this year is just the link between if you're low on hope today, just a really practical is to drink hope, right vision. Hmm. If you want to up your hope, then right vision, because hope and vision are, are two sides of the same coin. They're synonymous. Because hope only exists in the future. Yeah. Hope is only anchored in the future. It doesn't exist in the now. And so people don't realize that if um, that if you want to draw out the water of hope, then all you have to do is pull on the rope of vision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had kind of a, a little bit of a discouraging end of last year and was just kind of, you know, had some emotional pain over some things and mid-January I just I put myself in a coffee shop for three hours and just I was like I don't even know where I'm going to start but I just started writing vision for the year and it's amazing yeah I got up three hours later and felt like a different human being because because when you write vision when you give space to dream again when you give space to create the future again when you give space to realize that yesterday doesn't have to be your tomorrow Mm -hmm. when you give space for God to 
breathe into you a fresh idea of who you can become and what you can accomplish in him. And you give space to vision and, and hope go hand in hand. Yeah. And so I would just say, hold on to hope like your life depends on it because it does and utilize the weapon of vision to fuel that hope. Yeah. Yeah. Russ, it has been so good having you on with us today. Um, Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, Before we hop off, how can the listener connect with you um, on social media? How can they get a copy of Hope for the Wilderness? All that fun stuff. Yeah. So and I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram would be the easiest, just at more Russ, M-O-O-R-E, Russ, R-U-S-S. And then I have a website, hopefulwilderness.com. There's not a ton on there. I don't really use a lot. It's just a link to the book, some bio stuff and a few older messages. Um, you know, I, I preach semi-regularly at my church. You can go to the x.church and I preached a couple of times or I preached a couple of weeks ago. We're in the mental health series. So I did one on worry and anxiety. Um, but yeah, more, more Russ, um, Instagram would be the, probably the easiest place. Oh, awesome. And I'll make sure yeah. to link your Instagram website, book, all that fun stuff in the show notes. Yeah. And, or in some way, as far, as far as the book, the easiest, just go to Amazon. Just go to Amazon. Just, just go, go, go to Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazon is, is where everything's at. So just yeah. go to Amazon. <laughs> the easiest. Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Catalyst for Change Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders lead better. I'm your host, Zach Pruitt, and we will see you again next week.